Hi everyone and welcome to the Be You Mum podcast. I'm Annie, mum, wife, nutritional therapist, music lover and believer that animal print will never go out of fashion. I believe that we are at our most happiest and healthiest when all parts of ourselves are aligned and singing in harmony, the mind, body, heart and spirit. For me, like most, motherhood has been life-changing. It has opened up so many opportunities to learn more about myself and grow and become a better version of me and generally better human being. So this is what this podcast is all about. Conversations with awesome people who will inspire, inform and empower you to be more you at your brightest and best. Just like health and happiness, I believe there is no one-size-fits-all approach to motherhood. Learning to better understand, love and be yourself is one of the greatest gifts we can give our children. So I hope you will join me on this podcast journey of self-discovery, self-growth and self-love because when we connect with ourselves and step into our personal power, our mummy magic can truly shine. So please keep listening and remember, always be more you. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 16 of the Be You Mum podcast. I'm Annie Breen. This week I am joined by the amazing Dawn Witten. Dawn is a naturopath and international board certified lactation consultant. She is super passionate about protecting and nurturing the microbiome of the next generation and has a broad base of clinical experience with a focus on women's health through pregnancy and beyond and infant and toddler health. She has been in clinical practice for 17 years. Dawn truly is a fountain of knowledge. This week we talk all things the breast milk microbiome, which totally lights me up and it's so fascinating. Dawn um, is part of the probiotic advisor and I'm going to put the link to that in the show notes because there's some amazing um, online lectures there covering topics about introducing food, complementary foods to infants, the breast milk microbiome, all things about colic, reflux. There really is so much there, so I'm going to put the link in. Um, Dawn has regu- regularly published papers in the peer-reviewed literature. She's contributed to various clinical textbooks. She coordinates two units within the evidence-based complementary medicine program in the College of Health and Medicine at the University of Tasmania. She's based in Tasmania. She's actually my longest, furthest away guest. <laughs> and yeah, she's just amazing in terms of what she knows her passion what she does she has three daughters um from the ages of seven or spanning from the ages of seven to 26 and um she is continuing to contribute to her own learning she really is a a lifelong learner she practices at gould's natural health medicine in hobart tasmania and um the course actually i recorded this back in november um which seems terrible that it's taken till now to release it but actually 
I think it was meant to be because Dawn is just releasing a infant microbiome course and she's very kindly given listeners to this podcast a 15% discount on that. So I'm going to put the details in the show notes and how you can access that um, at the end. So without further ado, we could have spoken for so long, by the way, she's just really incredible. Anything to do with the microbiome lights me up, but specifically in this area. It just goes to show how amazing um, breast milk truly is. So I'm going to stop babbling. Let's get into episode 16 and I'll give those details about that course at the end. So hi Dawn, thank you so much for joining me. Um, It's my morning but I believe it's your evening. Yes, (laughs) yes. Two ends of the day. (laughs) Amazing, you're in Tasmania in Australia, is that right? That's right. Yes, I'm in Hobart, Tasmania. I have never spoken to anyone in Tasmania. <laughs> you, you win the prize for being the furthest away. And tell me, um, what is the weather like out there at this time of year? Oh, incredibly changeable. And oh. I also just want to say thank you for having me on oh, the yes. podcast. I'm really excited to be here. Um, but yeah, it's yeah very changeable. We have like a high of 16 and then the next day we might even go up to 28 kind of thing, just fluctuating. I don't know if that's similar for you. It's, come... um, no. So it's, that's the important question you see um, is the weather. Yeah. Right now in Scotland, it is cold so I just wanted to imagine where you were for a minute um, (laughs) yeah let's let's stop being so British and talking about the weather and I want to get into our chat because I am really really excited today to talk to you because um, your wealth of knowledge around this subject of the breast milk microbiome and mother care and lactation is just phenomenal so um, for the listeners that may not have heard of you before would you mind just giving an introduction to who you are and what you do and what led you to be doing this amazing work? Sure. Well, perhaps I'll start with that last part of the question. Mm-hmm. Um, I was pregnant during my final year um, studying naturopathy and I think uh, kind of similar to my sense of perhaps your journey, because that was going on for me, it really kind of drew me into thinking about maternal and infant health and just sort of following that path my um my stepmother is actually a home birth midwife so all through growing up this was just kind of going on in the home conversations around that so I feel very fortunate to have had that as kind of beginning um but um when I moved back to Hobart after studying, I um, worked in a, well, I still work there now, in an apothecary right in the middle of um, Hobart. So that's sort of an over-the-counter setting um, where women just come in seeking some natural medicine support. All people come in, but we, we see a lot of mothers and a lot of mothers come in there. And um, I, I just discovered that I, I really needed more skills to um, you know service their needs so I, I it really kind of drew me to go deeper and deeper and you know get the lactation consultant training and just keep on exploring and learning so that's kind of what took me there and and at the moment my my um my practice is a real mixture I do that I still really enjoy that 
over-the-counter um, it almost feels like a community service because you're there on the day and people can just come in and access you and it, it's very spontaneous. Um, so that, that's really lovely. But I also do um, more kind of classical um, practice where people have appointments with me and um, really enjoy researching in this field and helping to bring the, the lactation knowledge to my um, naturopathic colleagues because as you would have a sense of, you know, for many health professionals, the training in that area isn't very strong. So we really need to cross-pollinate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. And I, I love that that you talk about the over-the-counter because I just thinking back to my um, the beginning of my motherhood journey, there's so much as a wealth of knowledge online these days that I think sometimes it can become overwhelming and it's knowing what's right for you. Um, and having someone come to the house and having some like face-to-face -face advice for me was incredibly valuable. Sometimes you just want to ask someone and, and have their kind of um, presence in the room. So I think that's, that's lovely that you're still providing that, that support. Um, such a privilege. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know what it's, it's like where you are, but um, I feel quite, I feel very fortunate that we have a breastfeeding cafe just down the road. Mm. I know that's not the case everywhere where it's quite unique, but it's getting better. Um, but being able that's to, fabulous. Absolutely is. And being able just to go down the road and be within that group of women. And um, mm. you know, of course we talk about breastfeeding, but there's just that connection and that community as well. Um, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's that look when you go and sit with a group of women, you don't have to say anything. You can just look, mm. you know, they get it. Um, so, so that's amazing. And, and what you said about widening your toolbox, I think I can totally relate to that. I think naturopathic nutrition or naturopathy just gives you more tools, doesn't it, in the toolbox that, that you know, yeah. We're all unique, we're all individual, and different things work for different people. And it's very empowering to be able to share those tools. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. In terms of the microbiome, um, I use that word daily. And <laughs> people that you know say me, that again. <laughs> I use the word microbiome daily. I don't think there's a day yeah. that goes by, you know. I wondered if you could just talk a little bit about that. We're going to get into breast milk microbiome specific but just for those that might not be so aware or have knowledge around this um what is the microbiome and why is it so kind of um, critical to health yeah well like um it is a very hot topic isn't it like there's yeah. so much um yeah interest and fascination with this and i i mean one of the things that's come up is we've we've moved to using this word the microbiome which defines actually the the collective genome of all the microbes that live on and in us um, but I guess really what we're referring to is you know this extraordinary phenomena that we we are you know basically outnumbered and have you know that um, 10 to 1 um, bacteria or, or non-human cells on our body um, and and, you know, we, we're often referring to the bacteria, but there's also, you know, fungi and protozoa and um, viruses that are part of that. Um, and these are ecosystems that 
um, we've co-evolved with really and we'll have them in lots of different parts of our body and it, they're often kind of de described as uh, a super organism um, and that performs really important functions for our health um, including things like you know simple things like helping to protect us from infection but also just a whole lot of um, crosstalk um, modulation or you know kind of shaping the way our immune system functions playing a role in inflammatory processes and and making all sorts of substances that are, are useful for us such as even just nutrients um, but also um, substances that feed the the cells that line our, our colon and keep them healthy um, substances that have anti-inflammatory effects substance that have restorative effects on our on our neuro on our brains and our, and also have mood modifying effects yeah so you know so many elements to it and of course we're just kind of scratching the surface with our understanding and i think also um, understanding how we've influenced the this super organism with our modern lifestyles how things have changed yeah absolutely and it is um we have never coexisted have we without them and um i love the fact that i read somewhere that there's more bacteria in the gut than there is stars in the milky way like we have our own <laughs> galaxy in and it's kind of a beautiful way of thinking about it because i do think there's a little bit of a we must kill all the bugs kind of hygiene yeah. going on and actually it's, it's when you learn about them and I do think education around this is really empowering it's amazing to understand their, their health benefits isn't it and mm. um, I, I see motherhood sometimes not in a negative way but being quite an inflammatory phase like we're on the go we're kind of um usually not sleeping that well or getting that restorative kind of care and that can cause um that can impact our gut it can impact our microbiome it can cause um, inflammation to kind of rise if you like that's what i found in myself and mm. just um putting in some gentle gut support through food and relaxation has been incredibly kind of beneficial and life-changing so i think it's um it's an area that definitely all mums would benefit from kind of understanding and supporting. Um, and then if we go into the breast milk microbiome, which is um, fascinating. I was mm. watching a webinar that you did, Dawn, and it's just incredible. Like I'm learning so many new things every day as well. But um, I just wondered, if moving on from the microbiome, if you could talk a little bit about the breast milk microbiome and why it is so magical sure one of my favorite things to talk about <laughs> um so i mean i guess just for comparison we were talking about um the gut we were talking about broadly about microbiomes in different areas of the body and we think of the gut microbiome as being quite diverse but the breast milk microbiome um, appears to be more diverse in the gut microbiome which is um, quite extraordinary uh, some of the studies suggest that each mother has between 100 and 600 different species of bacteria in her breast milk and um, that's just looking at the species level so if you, you imagine you went down the strain 
level really yeah. you know, the diversity is going to be immense wow. um and we think oh why you know why is the breast milk so diverse why would it be more diverse than the gut um and it, I, I guess the answer to that is that the bacteria seem to be coming from a range of different places previously we used to think well, in the beginning it was sort of thought that breast milk was sterile and then we moved to thinking that breast milk was contaminated and that um, perhaps it was just contaminated with skin flora and, and that is true there are skin flora in breast milk also I think quite a that's quite a magical thing that happens that um, babies actually inoculate the breast with useful microbes potentially microbes that they may have picked up through their journey through the birth canal um, pass them onto the breasts and the breast becomes this kind of sustainable reservoir of those useful microbes but then i guess the other stuff which is almost kind of starting to feel like we're moving into science fiction is this um, uncovering of what there seems to be I call it an enteromammary pathway a pathway between the mother's gut and her breast where um, microbes are actually transported from the gut and they seem to be selectively selected and, and transferred um, from the gut to, to the breast. P pretty <laughs> extraordinary, um, which is sort of, I guess it's really exciting to think that you, you know, you're after the baby's born, there are still further opportunities for um, the mother to pass on her microbes from her gut to her baby you know it's not just through birth that that happens but also that seems like there may even be an oral memory pathway and potentially a genitourinary memory pathway these are you know very i guess um preliminary findings and we'll wait to hear more about that certainly the the pathway between the gut and the, and the breasts seems getting more and more established in terms of the science supporting that yeah. But not only are there microbes in the breast milk, what's potentially even more special are the incredible array of prebiotics in breast milk that really help to basically garden the infant's gut microbiota. They're selectively feeding up the microbes that are particularly useful for infant development, the, the microbes that play a role in helping to teach the gut immune system um, you know what's friend and foe, <laughs> um, friend and foe, and also, um, yeah, just kind of help prevent allergies, help to prevent obesity by teaching teaching that gut and um, modifying the metabolic state of the of the infant. So this incredible groundwork that's done by these special um, bifidobacteria species that are gardened by these prebiotics. So that, that's um, I guess pretty amazing role that, that the breasts have. And we're saying to appreciate that it's so important and valuable for babies to have an adequate amount of time with these important um, bacteria dominating their guts so that they get this really important early training early developmental programming happening yeah i mean that's amazing and i love how you call it the ultimate gardener because 
it is seeding the baby's sort of internal ecosystem, but also it's protecting them, isn't it, from the pathogens. And it's this selective process, which is incredible. And I love how it's kind of a bi-directional, like baby back to mum as well, is helping. Yeah, um, with mother's health and mother's microbiome. And mm. the, the, the oligosaccharides in the milk, I, I find that fascinating. You said there's more oligosaccharides than there is protein, which is incredible. Yeah. Yes. I, do you mind just um, sort of clarifying the difference between pre and probiotics and why prebiotics is so... Um, sure thing, sorry. Um, so probiotics are helpful microbes and prebiotics are you know pre as in before and biotic life prebiotics are food for these microbes so the special prebiotics that are in breast milk are um, well there's a, a whole range of them but some that we're really excited about are these human milk oligosaccharides and as you were saying yeah um, they seem to be the third most abundant component by weight in in human milk and um you know often there's more of those and there are protein and the i guess the other really exciting about them is thing about them is that they're very diverse and each mother seems to have a unique set and this kind of feeds into that concept of special microbes being passed down in families and special food for those microbes <laughs> existing within families so we've got that co-evolution potentially happening which wow. is um, pretty neat that's amazing and it's going back to the field of sort of epigenetics isn't it and how we bathe our what environment we bathe ourselves in um and i was just gonna ask actually then how um how could a mother help improve maybe the health of a diversity of her own microbiome, if it's so influential, how, how can you ensure that, you're, that you've got the most diverse, yeah, healthy breast milk microbiome? What would be some of your, if a mum came to see you, maybe she was planning preconception or she was pregnant, what would be some of your advice? And before I answer that question, can I just go back to something you said, which I think is a really important point that I didn't really emphasise, and that was about how within the breast milk, there are also all these components that are selectively antimicrobial. So will um, kind of kill off or suppress the growth of unhelpful bacteria. So we have those three layers of, um, occurring in the breast milk, which I think is important when we're thinking about, yeah, that concept of, okay, what if a mother does have, you know, not the most ideal ecosystem in her in her breast milk, is that going to be an issue for the baby? And we just remember that, okay, wow, there's all those um, safety nets in place with the with the human milk oligosaccharides that are nourish, um, nourishing up the helpful bacteria and the other components in milk that suppress the growth of things that might not be helpful for the for the baby. But coming back to that question of you know how can we really optimize the breast milk microbiota? Um, I guess, first of all, trying to minimise our exposure to things that are disturbing to the microbiota, like antibiotics um, in particular, um, even um, sort of antifungal creams and things like that, that um, sometimes they use can be a bit disruptive to the um, ecosystem. 
Um, and then, yeah, um, sometimes I'll consider um, using um, prebiotics if there have been, sorry, probiotics if there have if there has been an exposure to a disruptor, and there are um, some specific strains that are particularly um, helpful in that regard that that seem to transfer into the breast milk and, and might help to compete with um, some of the less helpful microbes so that's kind of an option but I think looking at you know when we understand that gut breast connection there we can also um, have an impact potentially on the breast milk microbiota just by you know, overall nourishing ourselves so really you know making sure we're you know having a really lovely whole food um, plant food rich diet with um, lots of nice naturally colored foods colored fruits and vegetables and um, nice sort of starchy vegetables and things like that that really help to nourish our gut ecosystem so we have the potential of you know, transferring more of those helpful microbes across to the across to the breast other things which you know we can have more or less control of but you know really aiming for a vaginal birth and um, getting support to to around that you know perhaps you know enlisting a doula so we have a good support network to um, enhance our chances of, of that and then if there is a cesarean birth having um, practices in place to really um, make that a, a nurture as nurturing experience as it can be you know things like just making sure there's immediate skin to skin contact with the baby and um, getting that breastfeeding support in early even you know it's fascinating actually even the difference between um, predominantly direct breastfeeding versus when mothers are doing more um, pumping and expressing that that actually affects the breast milk microbiota. So when babies are breastfeeding at the breast, that I guess it's that thing that you're talking about where we have that that feedback happening from between the baby and the mother. That's having a really positive effect on the the mother's breast milk microbiota, which is then helpful on the infant's gut microbiota. So this amazing dance that happens there. Yeah. And, that they they're kind of the main sort of approaches I guess I think of in that in that area. Oh, I guess one other thing to consider is just basic um, uh, covering of important nutrients. I imagine where you are, you know, there's a lot probably similar to us, and that we have quite a bit of vitamin D deficiency and um, mm. things like um, things like that that can perhaps play have you know potentially um, play a role in immunity and I think if we're kind of focusing on really supporting immune resilience um, then we're we're less likely to come into a scenario where we might be faced with a decision about antibiotics. Yeah I, I, I totally agree and I, I think there is um, there's so much you can do and at any point so whether you are planning on having a baby pregnant or postpartum still breastfeeding how many years down the line i do always think there are interventions that you can take that really comes back to nature doesn't it and it's that mm. plant-based that diverse diet looking after yourself in terms of restoration and relaxation as much as you can i don't want to use mm. the word sleep too much because it's a 
swear word with some mums, isn't it? Yeah, yes, it's been so, a trigger point. It's so important. And I think, you know, support's massive. What you said yeah, about it is. doula support. I, you know, I've said a couple of times that I don't know baby showers are big where you are, but they are here. And I'm thinking if everyone chipped in to have doula oh, support, yes. that would be like the best gift in the world. Yeah, a really meaningful yeah. gift. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and we're lucky to have so many amazing um, people, doulas, practicing in this area as well. I think there's more and more people moving into the realm of mother care once they've had mm. children because it, it does, yeah. kind of, it changes everything, doesn't it? And um, Absolutely. Yeah, I think that that's amazing. And, and just interestingly, what you were saying about the seeding and weeding and the powerful effects of the... Um, breast milk microbiome I had a natural birth um, and about a year later when Bonnie was one I I was just suffering really terribly with my mood so I decided to test my gut because I know the link between the gut and the brain and inflammation and lo and behold it came back with all sorts of things it was one of the worst tests <laughs> I'd ever seen oh, no. um, point of bringing that up is that I also tested Bonnie's gut because I started to worry about her health mm. and she doesn't like eating anything green. And I was worried that maybe I'd pass some of my harmful bacteria to her. Mm. And if you go to a GP around here and mention that, you look crazy. Like, they look at you like you're crazy. Um, <laughs> not all of them, <laughs> the one I went to. Yeah. Um, her, her gut was in a really good health mm, yeah. mine. and I just put that down to this seeding and weeding and the immune kind of supportive um benefits of the breast milk um yeah absolutely. I really do and you know I think we need to trust our gut don't we more than we trust mm. these days and I feel like it is I do attribute that and she's had one course of antibiotics and I saw a big change in her behavior when she had those mm. but I do think she recovered well just from breastfeeding alone and she I'll just reiterate she's not a great eater like I am a nutritional therapist but do not think my child eats because <laughs> <laughs> well, it just doesn't is. happen no, well, she's three, isn't she? So, exactly. So I do think it's a good source of um, nutrients, yes, but also those immune factors. And mm. you were saying about the development of um, the gut. I mean, it takes about two years, am I right, for a child's gut to kind of fully develop in terms of that leakiness or that permeability and yeah absolutely yeah yeah that's it's kind of a slow gradual process and oh that just kind of gets me excited about a few things hearing you talk about that because that's something I often um I often do um stool analysis with um the babies that I'm working with and one of the main reasons I do it is because I I am usually pretty sure it's going to be reassuring to parents because yes. they often are having that same worry that um, that you've described and um, and have you know some derangement in their gut ecosystem and then we get results back from their infant or young child um, and you know who's you know breastfeeding and we just see that their ecosystems looking beautiful so there's this incredible resilience in that system and the other the other thing is there are some researchers looking at um, the the microbiome resilience of um, breastfed infants and how how they are just more equipped to cope with disturbances like antibiotics I mean they also 
don't need them as often because their immune system tends to be um, more supported by the mother's immune system. Mm -hmm. um, but but when they do um, have those exposures, they they really bounce back a lot more quickly, and they so you come back to that concept of well, they're getting opportunity to potentially be reseeded from their mother, and also all the prebiotic components that are feeding up those microbes and the weeding. So there's sort of the perfect symbiotic restorative treatment after yeah. a disturbance. That's amazing. And you talked about some specific strains that um, are more likely to be passed into the breast milk. So if you did have a mum or a baby that needed a little bit extra support and you felt that that could be helpful, what sort of strains, what would you be looking at to ensure that it's, it's getting where it needs to be? Yeah, there's been quite a bit of research on one particular strain, which is Lactobacillus fermentum set 5713. I'm pretty sure that's a strain name. I have to check that for you because I was like, oh, I should have written that down. <laughs> so I had that. Um, but that one in particular has been fairly well researched and shown to transfer into milk. Um, there's been, I think, maybe five different studies looking at it. So that's sort of getting kind of mounting up and also, you know, have that effect of suppressing the growth of um, some of the unhelped, you know, the more harmful microbes that can sometimes be involved in mastitis, for example. So the the researchers that looked at that strain, that one of the studies they did, they um, gave it to mothers who had antibiotics um, during labour um, as a kind of prevention treatment because women that have antibiotics during labour, unfortunately, can be at increased risk of mastitis later. So... Um, right. And they found that, yeah, it, it reduced um, the, the occurrence of mastitis in the treatment group. So that was um, one quite um, interesting finding, but they've also done a, a couple of other studies just looking at its transfer and effect on, on those um, less favourable microbes. That's incredible. But I was, um, was going to ask you next about some of the common challenges that mums face and mastitis is huge. Um, I, I, I've got a couple of clients who have had it or have it. I know friends who have had it. I personally mm. haven't experienced it, but I just think itis, you know, inflammation, then it makes sense if you say after antibiotic use, because essentially that's probably killing off some of these anti-inflammatory strains that we need to help regulate our inflammatory kind of processes. So by using probiotics or this specific strain that can help that can help reduce some of the the risk or help reduce yeah. inflammation it's yeah. very I, I think it's key place is prevention and yes. um but when it comes down to i guess treatment and, and um and also prevention of mastitis that you know the core thing and you know um is focusing on removing milk stasis, like really getting that milk moving and making mm. sure we don't have um, any kind of blocked areas and making sure um, milk's getting removed from the breast frequently. Like, so ideally that's frequent breastfeeding, but if that's not possible, then um, some expressing and, and yeah, just getting that taken care of is, is such the kind of the core part of treatment. And, and what I find, I see, a lot of mums with mastitis and um, with mastitis um, 
you know, that you can end up with a fever. And often there's this mm. assumption that if there's a fever there, then you must have an infection and you must need antibiotics. But what's, uh, I think, a really useful and interesting thing to know about mastitis is the back pressure that happens when we have stasis in the breast, that back pressure of milk, um, can mean that some of the milk components end up getting pushed into um, the the capillary bed and going into uh, bloodstream and that the presence of those components that aren't really supposed to be in our bloodstream triggers the fever. Wow. So initially when the fever comes on, it doesn't necessarily mean there's an infection. Once that kind of inflammation has kind of penetrated into that into the breast tissue like that, and it's sort of like the um the integrity has been really disrupted. So there's a vulnerability to developing um, infections. So um, you know, you don't have, you, you really, it needs to be addressed quickly. You don't have a lot of time, but you do have some time. And um, if, if milk removal can be really supported and we really get and good amount of rest and, you know, just those kind of core principles are addressed, usually it all resolves without needing any other treatment. I mean, I, in my practice, I often, you know, add in some herbs and, you know, sometimes I'll include this probiotic. It is quite expensive though. So I'm, I'm always a bit kind of worried when that treatment's given without the proper um, practical breastfeeding support. (laughs) And yeah, and it is just amazing when, when you do nothing else, but just that breastfeeding support, just to always the, the um the mastitis resolves without needing any other treatment and the key thing is that we just have really clear boundaries around that we're like okay it needs to be better or improving within 24 hours that kind of thing so that we're really being safe about it but yeah yeah, that's that can be helpful to antibiotics aren't always needed (laughs) yeah absolutely and um it's, it's so interesting because I think when we have these symptoms, we're already like sleep deprived and, you know, quite mm. overwhelmed and we can almost get stuck at the effect, can't we? And forget to look at the cause and some of these foundational steps, like you said, making sure that the milk is coming out and, you know, that you're feeding regularly and that gut support so that the integrity of the gut's good and things aren't so lightly to pass through. Um, diverse diet, rest, all of those foundational steps can be really helpful when we're feeling those symptoms, which aren't actually, they're not necessarily the the problem of the immune system doing its magic, aren't they? Those horrible symptoms of inflammation. Mm, That's right. I've just had flu and it was the the immune system fighting them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when we feel so terrible, we just want to feel better quickly. Um, yeah. but, but some of these steps that you just mentioned are incredibly powerful. Like you kind of need to do them. I say you can't take the medicine and not take the medicine. Like you yeah. have to do that <laughs> first or alongside it, whatever you decide. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so helpful because, oh my goodness, that's a painful condition. Um, it is. Yeah. yeah. And when we think about the microbiome in that, in that picture, what the microbiome does is it create, if we have a healthier microbiome in the breast, it means we have a bit more resilience in that breast so that if we have, you know, a little bit of stasis where, you know, perhaps we missed a feed or we wore a bra that pressed on our breast, something like that, 
it doesn't immediately kind of propel into a inflammatory condition because the ecosystem's a bit healthier and it can hold, you know, can recover more easily. But when we have a, a dysbiotic kind of picture in the breast, we're just a little bit more vulnerable potentially for things to, you know, go more quickly into a problem. And I guess that's why we have that scenario when we've treated with antibiotics, we can be a little bit more vulnerable to a recurrence because things are a bit out of whack. Yeah, and I don't know if you see it, but then I see the progression into fresh and this kind of fibroid. Yeah, exactly. And then that comes on the breast as well, and that can be passed. Yeah. It's another kind of a issue to deal with. Um, I see that that a lot, but um, yeah. That's, yeah. that's so helpful to understand that. And what about any other kind of challenges that you see? So mastitis is a huge one, and then there's things like poor latch or, or reflux or... What are you seeing time and time again in your practice? Um, all of those. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think maybe a key thing to mention about um, difficulties with latch, and I think I think we're all getting a bit better at key, um, keying into this, but um, just that classic thing that you know, breastfeeding really shouldn't be painful. So if mothers are experiencing um, pain or discomfort while they're breastfeeding it usually means there's an issue with attachment and positioning um, the, you know there's an, the occasional person who seems to have a perfect latch and still experiences pain so that you know it's not like that never happens but really we really need to consider pain means there's an issue with latch until proven otherwise um, and even I don't know if you see this much there but um, you know, women that are experiencing vasospasm, for example, often what's um, causing that in the initial phase is a bit of trauma from an issue with um, the, a positioning issue resulting in a bit of trauma to that nipple area that then predisposes the mothers to get um, vasospasm in the breast. And so the whole focus can be on the vasospasm without coming back to just check how positioning positioning and attachment is and kind of, I guess really treating the cause and so I think that pain there indicates an issue with um, latch and attachment until proven otherwise and we know that good attachment's really important for effective milk transfer so that that's another really important reason to be addressing that and um, you know getting help from a breastfeeding counsellor or a lactation consultant to really just support with, you know, just that little bit of guidance to give you either reassurance that things um, appear to be going well or just spot something. And and I think also just trusting your own instincts too, because if, if it just doesn't feel right, it's usually not. Yeah. And a key, I guess a key element to that is there isn't a right way to breastfeed. So for every mother and baby, it's so important that they just feel confident and empowered to explore and, and see what works for them too. So we seek support from, from people, but also come back to what feels right for you. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I had a uh, midwife come round. I think it was on the second day that we were home and I had exactly the problem you just um, described. And she literally like 
pick Bonnie up and put her where she needed to be. And it just, all of a sudden she fed properly and then she fell asleep. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and I think it was this kind of biological nurturing position where I was actually, yeah. and I was trying to do it differently before. Um, and it did feel very natural. And I think that's the thing, like you're usually right. You just need a little bit of guidance because it's not, easy I, I think a lot of mums mm. just think it's going to happen and that can be really um disheartening when it doesn't mm. and it can have this kind of ripple effect then on your breastfeeding journey but having that help was just I, I couldn't imagine not from from breastfeeding cafe and that um helpers or the midwife that came round, and and it's like what you were saying it's the practicalities it's the positioning just making sure that that is actually in place yeah absolutely and getting that that help early because i think that's yes. when really things kind of unravel when when we're not getting the help early oh definitely and there's so much we, we lack time don't we because i'm mm. hungry and it's like oh my god i've got to learn this now and i you know i think we put so much pressure on ourselves but if we if we do ask for help and we get that help and we have that contact um you know if, if people can come to your house and, and show you what to do it's just it, it changes everything um, yeah absolutely yeah and and that's great if i think if we can have people coming to the home so you're not trying to like get out and you know get in the car and <laughs> go to an appointment and just sort of disrupt your whole rhythm yeah absolutely yeah. and you must hear so many diff different um, pieces of advice and what would you say in terms of common myths or things that you hear a lot that are just, you know, they're not true or things that, um, that, that are true, you know, what, what would you say? Because <laughs> there's so much, Dr. Google. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there really is. I mean, I think um, a big one is women feeling they, they, or mothers feeling that they can't follow their instincts, you know, that if they respond to their infant, you know, that just that concept of spoiling our infants it's still in our culture somehow so that women can mothers can feel conflicted you know where their instincts are responding to their infant but then they they seem you know they kind of feel this social pressure not to and 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 that stems i think a big one i find is mothers feeling that they shouldn't let their baby um feed to sleep which mm. uh i mean i I think, you know, at the end of the day, different things work for different families, but sometimes, um, you know, uh, restricting in that way can really undermine breastfeeding because often it means that, you know, a number of breastfeeds, breastfeeding opportunities within a day will be missed and it also can be a, a really um, enjoyable, easy way to help a baby transition into sleep and mean that perhaps a mother can have a rest too. But if, you know, mothers are kind of worrying <laughs> just that, that, that there's something wrong with that, then that can really, um, I think, create conflict for them. And I, I guess that kind of links into just the whole feed scheduling stuff, which, you know, comes from the formula feeding era and... Mm. Uh, where we um, it's again still very much in our culture but the way that breasts work and babies um, needs are every mother baby um, pair is different and when mothers feel that they can just respond to their baby's cues 
then the baby is able to regulate the mother's milk supply and the whole kind of system is far more likely to work. And we start feeling like we need to schedule things that things often break down and get dysregulated. Absolutely. And um, you mentioned in your webinar that you did about um, C-sections and what I found really interesting is this end of pregnancy transfer. So um, we talked a little bit about the powers of breast milk, maybe more so than the vaginal delivery. But mm. if um, a mum has to have a C-section, and obviously those are very necessary processes in certain situations, could you just tell me a little bit about the difference, what you found between the elected and the um the emergency and what you found in terms of the microbiome there in the breast milk. Yeah, um, that's quite um, fascinating because I, it does seem that the the breast milk is more disturbed in an electric in a electric an elective. <laughs> we don't want one of those an no. elective um, cesarean um, versus a emergency cesarean, and the um, the thought there is that potentially those um, those labour hormones um, are, are play kind of a role in sort of like a, I guess, a turbo transfer of microbes to the breast. That's like one, one thought. Um, I think since doing that webinar, as another thought occurred to me in that sometimes with uh, emergency caesarean, the baby has actually descended into the... Um, sort of the upper part of the birth canal and the um, amniotic sac may have even broken. And so there's a chance that the baby may have been also kind of inoculated with some um, vaginal flora, which is, I think, sometimes a really reassuring thing for mothers to hear that that too. But either way, with an elective caesarean or an um, emergency caesarean, just you know, breast, breast milk really does repair that disruption so I think that can be a huge comfort for mothers to know that and also I guess it, it really emphasizes why it's so important that we really get behind supporting mothers um, with breastfeeding around cesarean so I don't, I don't know how it is um, in the UK but it the breastfeeding outcomes for mothers having cesareans are often not as good as vaginally birthing mothers, and that's because the support you know they just need some additional support because you know they've got a, a um they've had a major surgery, so you can imagine having a major surgery and then learning to breastfeed. You yeah. you do need some additional supports, and you know things that can really be problematic are just like a really practical thing like having a cesarean on a Friday and then yeah. finding that there's no um, lactation kind of consultants within the hospital over the weekend so that and there's data on this mothers that give have cesarean births on a Friday don't have as good um, birth outcomes and I'm sorry um, uh, breastfeeding outcomes and actually it, it's the same for um, vaginally birthing on a on a Friday in the hospital as well, which is, you know, isn't that terrible? <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and I'm just thinking, you know, cesarean, obviously it can be life-saving and completely necessary, but the amount of stress the body's under, you can see how maybe the oxytocin and those natural kind of hormones are needed um, for 
for bonding for breast milk production could be compromised because you know you've just gone through major surgery so mm. you need you need extra support you need extra encouragement you need that That's reassurance right. I just think you need more of all of that yeah. um, absolutely because you've just been through I think it's the only like surgery that you have in hospital where you're not um uh, what's the uh, what's the word uh, discharged with like a post-op plan for <laughs> a baby <laughs> so you're like there oh we go you just had huge <laughs> so I think extra extra support because the body's under stress and when we're under mm. stress you know we're not going to be those processes aren't going to be maybe working so well anyway so you're almost coming up against it a bit more um yeah. and you know you mentioned also about you women can relactate is that right like yes yeah absolutely um and just back to the i wanted to add one more thing about the, the breastfeeding support around um cesarean uh, after cesarean birth and i think one thing that can really assist to support that milk coming in is having lots of skin to skin time and that's you know important mm. after any birth but um but really really important but after cesarean birth and you that that requires support because you've got you know you've got the wounds so people around to help that mum have all that skin to skin support um and now i've forgotten what the other question was sorry uh, um yeah i've forgotten too <laughs> <laughs> it was a good one i was excited yeah. about it um sorry i can't remember my brain um yeah just I do just going back to the, the support and yeah, you know, being discharged with a baby and it can be a really overwhelming time. And I just, I, I forgot what I did say, but I wanted to make a point also that what, what I think helped me and, and I'm just one person, we're all very different is understand is the education basically is understanding the powers of breast milk. Mm. And you know, my, my birth experience it was it was fine i definitely didn't want to do it again in a hurry <laughs> i have yeah but it was yeah. you know i'm really proud of you know how we how it went and it was really good i didn't have any complications is what i'm trying to say but breastfeeding was still difficult you know to mm. get that match i still needed that support oh my goodness and even now three and a half years on i still go to the breastfeeding cafe now and again i love being around those women and that support network and i just think it's so important so so there's that because it is the unknown and it's you're learning a new skill but there's yeah. also that underlying education i think it was kind of just indoctrinated into me that um it, the powerful effects the immune the protective effects mm. the nourishment the um anti-inflammatory all of these things and when i studied at college i was single i wasn't interested in like having kids and women's <laughs> yeah. and i i just think having that information it's obviously just sowed the seed somewhere that then obviously as my life changed i met dan and then we've got bonnie i just had that I, the value of it, I, I guess. And, and I, I'm not saying that if maybe things had turned out differently that I wouldn't have had different challenges, but I think that's helped me um, persevere, should we say. Um, so I think it's like a two-pronged thing. I think the support is a massive 
it is totally necessary. We need more support. We need more encouragement mm, and we yeah. need the education. So exactly why we're having this conversation now, the power of the breast milk, because it's not short term, is it, Dawn? Like this is long lasting effect. That's right. And and also important for the mother's health too, which is often, you know, often seeing it as something that we do, you know, um, because it's good for our children, but it's also really important for the mother's health in terms of um, completing her reproductive cycle. It, it balances the, you know, we have all our hormones pushing us in one direction when we're pregnant, where we're getting a whole lot of estrogen exposure and a mm. kind of a um, metabolic resistance, so kind of pushing towards a, you know, um, tendency for diabetes and things and heart disease mm. and then breastfeeding um, brings us back the other way um, and you know helps to modify our risk of breast cancer and reproductive cancer and um, protect us from diabetes and heart disease so it's it's part of the normal physiology for mothers yeah yeah and um I'm aware it's really late where you are, but I just wanted to ask you what in this in the case where mums um, haven't been able to um, continue their breastfeeding journey for whatever reason. What what advice are you giving mums in that situation um, where maybe they're using formula like to support their well-being, their babies? Would would you use pre or probiotics in those cases, or will you just see um, how how mum's health is? Or? Yeah, so um, for the baby, I think, I mean, for both of them, you know, continuing to make sure they have lots of um, close physical contact because mm -hmm. that's, you know, obviously really, it's, that's really important for, you know, both, both the mother and baby to have that, um, that contact and that, that does um, give some, you know, oxytocin release and, and supports bonding and um, the, infant's neurodevelopment and um so that 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 can still happen when we're not breastfeeding uh and i do think that you know babies that aren't being um, breastfed it's worth um considering giving them a, a well-studied probiotic to um, protect them um, as much as we can and also um there are a few prebiotics that have some research um, to support to sort of help um improve their health compared to infant the formula fed infants that that don't have that um yeah and i guess you know we did um you did mention before i think the question was about relactation i mean oh, sometimes yeah. um uh, it you know the door isn't necessarily shut depending on you know where that mother and baby are at but that that can be um something to be explored too um Another, I guess, thing to explore is, you know, when women are needing to um, top up, perhaps they are just really um, struggling with supply and it's really important to point out that we can sometimes doubt our milk supply when it's, um, when it's fine and, and that can really undermine breastfeeding when we start um, topping up um, with, um, with formula or even with donor milk. But... Um, if we are in a situation where we really do need to top up, um, there are ways of doing that at the breast with a, call it a supply line or um, uh, 
know, mental block would be other name for it, but um, yeah, where, the, where you, some milk can actually be delivered down a little tube um, and delivered with the baby um, feeding at the breast normally. And that, that can be a really um, lovely option where the baby is still able to feed at the breast. They still are getting some milk from mum um, and they're actually stimulating the mum's supply. So that, that's another kind of possible way of, of making things work. Great, that's amazing. And do you use, um, I can't do this podcast without mentioning the word galactagogs. <laughs> that was my <laughs> yeah. favourite word. Um, do you use galactagogs? Do you mind just quickly saying? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. Um, and I, I'm just coming back to thinking about how you were talking about the Milky Way. Yes. <laughs> I love the, yeah, the way yeah. there's that, that, um, yeah, that crossover with the language and, um, yeah. Um, yes, I do use them. Um, I, I think, you know, the most important message is, you know, frequent milk removal is going to have the strongest effect on boosting supply. But um, I, I often use herbal galacticogs. So these are herbs that can support um, the production of milk and, and they can work um, through a variety of different ways. So it's really nice to be able to um, consider what's going on for the mum and then uh, put together a herbal combination um, based on that. So sometimes we'll see that, you know, actually there's, you know, there's big stress going on for her. So we'll focus it more that way or there might be other you know, factors that have um, come into play. There's a few herbs that are particularly indicated for helping the milk to come in. So in that scenario where there's been a very stressful birth or, you know, cesarean birth and the milk coming in is a bit delayed, there'd be um, other herbs that we would consider using. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do see, you know, women suffering with thyroid imbalances and adrenal imbalances that mm. actually impact their breast milk supply as well. And, I, I, you know, it's understanding that and supporting it from that kind of root level that's as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's so this, important. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say that's so important and, and to kind of like try and explore why. Yeah. Another thing that can happen is you can just, you can actually have a bit of retained placenta that's yeah. um, secreting some progesterone and so those you know these questions need to be asked rather than you know the woman just kind of being given up on yeah like it's quite crazy I've heard a few stories about the retained placenta and for some time and then later on women some women developing autoimmunity because the immune system has just gone in this kind of overdrive um uh, one more question. I appreciate it's really late with you. Um, <laughs> allergies are on the rise and we're seeing a lot of um, kids reacting to so many different kind of environmental things. And some of the advice I see banded around quite a lot is um, actually telling mums to stop breastfeeding if there could be some mm. kind of allergy, if they've taken the foods out of their diet, but they're still, it's not better. Um, and, and actually some women just stopping because they're so worried that they're passing on sort of allergens to their children. What would be your kind of, it might be going back to what we've talked about in terms of supporting the integrity of the gut microbiome, mm. but what would be your advice there? Because it is something that seems to come up quite a bit. Yeah, and I think um, that it's it's quite unfortunate when that advice is, is given to mums, I feel a bit. Um, sad when that happens because it it's um seems a bit 
uh, quite rash, I guess. And um, yeah, obviously adult um, allergies are incredibly common. So um, I see this scenario quite a bit. And um, yeah, I think as you were saying, you know, really, you know, support, we can work through the mother and the, find that a really um, powerful way of working in these um, scenarios of just really boosting and lifting the mother's health, um, supporting her gut integrity and um, nourishing the, her ecosystem, as you're saying, um, really, really valuable. And often I'll, um, I'll, we might do a few dietary exclusions and then work at bringing those foods gently back because our, our ultimate goal is to promote tolerance so yes. we don't want to be in this scenario where women are just ending up excluding so many foods and, and becoming frightened of food it's really about supporting their them and their infant to you know develop tolerance so, um yeah and i i mean i find that's that's effective i i mean even you know even the scenarios when um there's a condition called allergic proctocolitis, which is quite common, mm. um, where there'll be, you know, the, the breastfed infant is often otherwise thriving. And um, obviously, we need to rule other things out when, when this is happening, but they will actually have blood in their stool. So it's kind of alarming, you know, but mm. otherwise the, the infant um, is, you know, seeming to be thriving and, and developing beautifully. Mm. And as I said, you know, we rule out other causes of why there might be blood in their stool. But, um, you know, just through that sort of gentle approach, these these infants um, grow out of that. Mm. And I do, I do think that, that that work through the mother um, helps that to happen and really, do, really don't want to lose breastfeeding in these situations. I mean, that's just such mm. a terrible loss to have um, that removed. I know because it's providing all the kind of um, equipment, if you like, to actually digest and break down food in the first place and for the gut to mature. So, um, yeah, I, I totally agree. Thank you so much. This has been so amazing and informative. I'm so grateful and especially with the time difference as well. I just wondered, is there anything, any words of wisdom or advice or anything you want to leave us with or uh, maybe advice you find yourself giving out time and time again to your mums? Um, yeah, before we go. And where can we find you? Oh, um, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so um, just enriching to talk with you. It's, it's wonderful. Um, I think, um, I mean, that's a good question. <laughs> There's lots of things. I'm like, which is the most important? Mm -hmm. I think that the thing that you've been mentioning through this um, is, you know, just around community um, is so valuable. And so when, you know, when mums are pregnant, I think that's a really great time to reach out and find these communities that are going to support you through your you know, early parenting journey and kind of establish those relationships so you know um if you have the fortune of having a breastfeeding cafe in your area to like start going there when you're pregnant so you're yeah. just exposed to kind of a healthy um breastfeeding culture and healthy norms and and the range the range of that um we have a wonderful organization here the australian breastfeeding association which has you know group meetings and you know breastfeeding council is there and 
it's an enormous difference when you've got when you've got that support and access to to those people so i think that's probably yeah. one thing i'd really encourage mothers to do i think when you're pregnant you naturally can be quite focused on the birth and getting yourself set up and all these other things mm. but i think because of the way uh, i guess breastfeeding has really been damaged in our culture we've had three generations that have been heavily influenced by formula marketing so the natural places that we might go for breastfeeding support are not always going to be useful for us so we need to find that so we've got sort of good solid places to go for help amazing and and the Leche league do you have that's that reaches australia doesn't it the Le- Yes, yeah. yes, it yeah. does. Um, I think because yeah. the Australian Breastfeeding Association is so strong here, but that's really who you have there, isn't it? In the yeah, and there's a helpline, <laughs> the breastfeeding yeah. helpline, which I love. I've, I've found it a couple of times. And yeah. yeah, it's just chatting things through and getting that out of your head and saying it out loud and having someone give you some feedback, but also just listen to you. Um, absolutely. Yeah, and those are really reliable sources, I think, because you can just get all sorts of different advice. But those organisations really know this area well and the people on those helplines, you know, they're really specially trained. They've been mothers themselves, you know, and so they've got that to be able to meet mothers' needs. Amazing. And if people wanted to... um, find you do you have uh are you online website or do you have you don't do social media i'm not i haven't found you on there i don't think um, i'm i am part of the probiotic advisor group so um, that's that's probably the easiest way to find me or gould's natural medicine is the kind of clinic that i that i work at brilliant oh that's amazing thank you so much i will let you go to bed (laughs) thank you so much for having me it's been so lovely oh it's been amazing thank you so much for your time pleasure bye bye Oh, wow, that was brilliant. And thank you, everyone, for listening. If you would like to find out more or get in touch with Dawn, I have put the links to how you can contact her in the show notes. Many of her online lectures can be accessed through probioticadvisor.teachable.com. I'll put that link in too. And the course that um, Dawn is kindly giving us 15% off is her infant microbiome course. So this is available, I'll put the link in the show notes, but this discount is available until the 16th of March. That's 15% off that. So that's really awesome and kind of her. And the coupon code is HMO, all in capital letters. If you enjoyed the show, please let me know. And if you're feeling super inspired, please leave me a review. I have a community for mums on Facebook called the Nourished Mums Community. I've changed the name. This is a closed group where you can come and connect with other mums and find inspiration, information and get empowered to reconnect with you so you can grow into your best self. Please do come along and join. Spread the love and share your magic. I'll be back next week with another episode of the Be You Mum podcast.